0: Matthew chapter number 6, several months ago we started a study on the Sermon on the Mount. We kind of took a little hiatus from that during the Christmas season, but we want to jump back into that. So we're going to be in Matthew today, and we're going to start a kind of a a three-part little mini-series within that, and this little mini-series is on Jesus' teaching on prayer. So we want to look at... What Jesus teaches us about prayer. Prayer, I think, is one of the things that, that as Christians that we kind of take for granted sometimes. We don't do it enough. We, you know, we'll pray for our meals, we'll, we'll pray in church, and, and then we just kind of forget about it during the day, during the week. We forget about it. But, but prayer is one of the greatest benefits of being a Christian. We get to walk, as, as Hebrews 4.16 says, it says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That's a powerful verse for Christians. That walking boldly, coming boldly to the throne of grace means that we get to enter in the presence of God. How do we do that? Through prayer. Through prayer. Prayer isn't just, just talking into a, a speaker. Prayer is literally walking into the presence of God. Once we start to realize that, and we start to realize how powerful prayer is, and look at look what that verse in Hebrews four sixteen says. It says that we may obtain mercy, we may find grace. Why? To help the time of need. You ever feel alone? You ever feel overwhelmed? You ever feel like you need assistance? You need help. There it is. It's our prayer. So often I've been, I've felt like I was, I was overwhelmed or, or I, I, there was just too many things going on and I couldn't handle everything or I didn't know how something was going to handle and I get on my knees and I pray and when by the time I'm done praying it's like, like a weight has just been lifted off of me because of this. So over the next three weeks we're going to look at prayer and how Jesus describes prayer and how he, he gives us guidance for prayer in Matthew chapter number 6. So Matthew chapter number 6. We're going to look at two verses this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Now, we have to understand who he's speaking to here. He's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to Christians. More specifically, he's speaking to his disciples. Remember, the Sermon on the Mount wasn't a sermon that was given for everybody. He took his apostles away. Now, other people could hear, but his teaching of the Sermon on the Mount was directed to his disciples. So when we look at this, we have to look at this as as we are disciples of Christ. This isn't for the person uh, next door or down the road or something. This is for us. This is pure teaching for us, for disciples of Christ. And so we need to see it from that, that, that viewpoint. And he looks at it, he starts out, he says, when you pray, he's not saying... For, for those who, you know, he's not telling you you should pray. He's not telling you start praying. He's making the assumption here that as disciples, they're already praying. He's making the assumption that as Christians, we're already praying. And he's telling us when you pray, don't pray like this. Pray like this. And he gives it to us because it, it, we inter- need to understand why are we praying when we go on our knees and we go before God, why? Are we just seeking the hand of God? Or are we seeking God's face? There's a huge difference. Too many Christians, I think, use God as, as God, I need this, God, I need this, God, I need that. That's a genie in a bottle. That's a, a, a fire alarm on the, on the wall. We don't think about the fire department until something's on fire, and then we pull the fire alarm. That's not how we're supposed to go to God. We're supposed to be going to God to seek his face, not his hand. And when we seek his face, we start to realize that the prayer is more than just asking for things that we need, but prayer is actually a form of worship. When we go before God, we are, it's a form of worship that we are participating in, in the throne room of God. And we seek his face. I love that verse in the Bible that talks about seeking his face. I was back there a few minutes ago, my grandson's back there, and I was trying to get his attention. Every time I tried to get his attention, he'd do this. And I'd go to that side, he'd go. And I'm like, hmm. So I had to seek his face. I had to get right there, where he had to look at me. And that's the picture of seeking God's face. Not that God is turning away from us, but we get so busy sometimes that God's face is right there, and we're looking over here, and we're looking over there, and we're looking everywhere except in God's face. We need to seek his face. The intimacy of seeking someone's face. As I go around the room and I make eye contact with different people, you can tell when I'm making eye contact with you, can't you? You can feel it. There's like a charge. Some of you are, are getting embarrassed before I even make eye contact. And as I make eye contact around the room, you feel the eye contact. Why? Because there's something personal about that, right? There's a personal connection when we look somebody in the eyes. How much more so when we seek the face of God and we look God in the eyes? He starts out by giving us the wrong motive for prayer. What is that wrong motive? It's, it's It's not the praying in the synagogues. It's not the praying in the corners of the streets. It's that they may be seen of men. You see, their why that they pray is that they want to be seen They want people to look at them and say, wow, look at that guy. Look how spiritual that guy is. And they pray in the synagogue for that reason. They pray in the streets for that reason. So it's not so much the location as it is the reason, the motivation. Motivation, intent is always important to God. Why are we doing what we're doing, whether it's giving like we talked about in this passage a couple months ago, or here, if it's prayer. It's not so much the act, and and he will give us some some definite ways that we're supposed to do it, some definite things that we're supposed to do, but it's not so much the act of prayer as it is the reason behind prayer he's talking about today. Why? Praying is is not a sign that a person knows God. It can be, a person that knows God uh, uh, will be praying, but just because they're praying doesn't mean that they, they know God. We can't confuse the two. We can't think just because somebody stands up in church and prays or, or because we see them out in public and they pray or you know they, they pray for us or they're praying for somebody else. We see them on TV and they're praying. Just because they're doing these things doesn't mean they know God. That's not a discerner. Christ says that a man who prays to be seen by men loves to pray. But he's a hypocrite. He's a hypocrite. The places where he loves to pray are out in public. This doesn't mean that we can't pray in public. This doesn't mean we shouldn't pray out in public. I have the opportunity on a a number of occasions to, to pray at the city council meetings. And I've actually had a pastor say, well, you know, don't you think that violates the scripture? Because that's basically praying on the street corners. That's praying in front of people. No. No. Jesus went to the vipers and prayed. Why can't I go to the vipers and pray? Right? And when I pray, and whether it's there, whether it's at the, the, uh, um, the lighting of the Christmas tree or, or other public places where they invite me to pray, I always say yes. Why? Because I get, it gives me an opportunity to share the gospel in prayer. It gives me the opportunity to plant seeds and to water seeds that have already been planted. We need to pray out in public, but we need to do it for the right reason. If we're doing it for recognition, we're wasting our time. Actually, it's better not to pray than to pray for the, the attention of men. The sin here is not the failing to pray, even, it's the reason for praying. praying only for attention. Matthew 15, 7 and 8 says, Ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This was the problem with the religionists of the day of Jesus. This was the problem with the religionists of the Old Testament. And this is the problem with the religionists today. We have so many people that will put on put on a robe and put on a cloak and, and put on a, a, a funny hat and they'll do all these things and they'll have all the, the smoke and the bells and the whistles and the lighting and they'll do all these different things to show how holy they are but their hearts are far from God. They don't know who God is. It's all a show. It's all for hypocrites. We need to be careful. We need to guard our hearts against this type of thing. We can't allow ourselves to, to fall into that trap. We can't allow ourselves to be to be taken captive by our own hearts and our own desires. I mean, it's it's human nature to want to be accepted by other people. It's human nature to be want to be lauded by other people, and we have to constantly guard against that. Jesus says, "The person who prays in public for the recognition of men, he's received his reward." He came to pray in front of men so that men would see him that men would give him recognition and he got it that means there is no other reward he's not see he's not even seeking the hand of God at that point Not only is he not seeking the face, he's not seeking the hand. So he's not getting anything. There is no spiritual benefit. There is no cleansing. There is no no holiness. There is, is no grace. There is no mercy. He's not getting any of that because he wasn't praying for any of that. He was praying just for the regards of men, and he got it. He got his paycheck. That's why he was doing it, and that's why he got it. He wants men to to, to pat him on the back and tell him he did a good job. He wants men to, to, to laud him and, and to whisper about him and say, look how righteous he is. And he got it. He's cheated himself. He's cheated himself of the true blessing of prayer. He was given an opportunity to walk boldly into the throne, throne room of grace, and he squandered it. Because that wasn't his goal. He gets what he deserves, public recognition. Nothing more, just the public recognition. How shallow, how short-lived, how, how useless is that? There will be a time where we will be placed in the ground. If the Lord doesn't come back first, each one of us is going to pass. And here's the, the reality of that. I'm not trying to offend anybody in here, but here's the reality. As important as you think you are to the world as important as you think you are to the church, as important as you think you are to your family, after you're put in the ground, slowly you are forgotten. Now, those closest to you will forget you last. But the ones that are further out on that ring of associates, they're going to forget you. And even those that love you the most, even those that love you the most, they'll, they'll have days where they don't remember you. And slowly... Memories will fade. And after a generation, for sure, you just become a name in a book or a name carved in granite. What a waste that that we spend so much time trying to to build some sort of credibility here on this earth, some sort of recognition on this earth when it's just a vapor that's going to evaporate and it's going to be gone. But if we layer, layer our treasures away in heaven, those are eternal they're never forgotten. They're never forgotten. How sad, how sad is it that we pray for the wrong reasons? Then verse number six, what I love about this is he doesn't just say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. He says, this is the right way. But verse number six, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret; and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. The right motive for prayer isn't to be heard by men; it's to be heard by God. You see, the the big importance here of the closet is that you're getting away; you you don't get distracted. Nobody can can uh, can you can't hear anybody. But more importantly, nobody can hear you. If nobody can hear you then you're not praying for people. You're praying to God. It becomes a time where there's you know people don't need to know. You don't need to announce it. You know, get on Facebook, "Oh, I just spent 15 minutes in prayer before my God." Well, there's your reward. All those likes, that's why you prayed. It's right there. That's why the same thing with fasting. You know, when you fast, you're not supposed to tell people. You don't necessarily lose your benefit. If I fast or when I fast, I I have to tell V. Because if she fixes dinner and I don't eat, I'm gonna be fasting for a long time after that. But the thing is true here of prayer, we go off by ourselves. If somebody happens to see us, that doesn't steal our thunder, that doesn't steal our joy, that doesn't steal our grace. That was unavoidable, but, but our intention should be to do it where nobody sees. Because then there's no question that we're praying for God. And not for us. Not to be seen of men, we're praying to be seen of God. We have to take that time to pray, we have to, 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 to be willing to pray. Notice when he says, when thou prayest. He's making an assumption here for His disciples. I wish it was an assumption that was good for all Christians. Unfortunately, it's not because many Christians, they they can't even get past that phrase right there, when thou prayest, they're like, well, I don't pray. So when thou prayest doesn't even apply to me. If you're not praying on a regular basis, that needs to be your lesson today. Those three words, when thou prayest. You need to take time to pray. Not just say, I'm going to pray more. We, We did a, uh, finish strong on, on New Year's Eve. We did a finish strong, did a little video, did a little, little talk on, on finishing strong on, on, online. And we talked about how that the, you know the reason why New Year's resolutions fail is because we have this grandiose idea but we don't put anything behind it. We don't put a plan behind it. And just to say that you're going to pray more because the scripture says to, you're not going to do it. You know how I know that? Because you're human. Humans need a plan. You need a plan. If you want to pray more, what does that look like? How are you going to do that? When are you going to pray more? If you need to get up 15 minutes early in the morning, get up 15 minutes early. At least then you have a time. You're like, this is my time to pray. And just as real as you wouldn't, you know, it'd take something major for you to cancel a a a doctor's appointment or to to call into work because that's on your calendar. You got to meet it. Put prayer on your calendar. And when somebody says, hey, can you come over and do this? I can't. I'm busy right then, but I can do it 15 minutes later. (laughs) They may look at you funny, but it's on your calendar. You have an appointment, a more important appointment than an appointment with a doctor or or an appointment with a politician or, or appointment at work or appointment with your kid's teacher. This is more important. This is your appointment with God. Plan it out. Schedule an appointment with God. Put it on your calendar. Everybody that's got a smartphone, you've got a calendar in your pocket. Put it in there. It'll let you know 10 minutes, 15 minutes ahead of time that it's time for you to pray and keep your appointment. You truly want to pray more? You truly want to pray like this? Put it on your calendar. And then you're part of the when thou prayest. Because until you get to be part of the when thou prayest, It doesn't matter whether you're doing it right or wrong because you're not even doing it. Right? You don't need to know the right way to do it or the wrong way to do it because you're not doing it. You got to do it. And then worry about the right way and the wrong way. When thou prayest. It's got to be part, not just a a reaction to things. It needs to be part of our daily lives. We need to be spending time with God. And of course, then we're supposed to have that, that time all day long where we have that unceasing prayer. Where God's always in our minds, He's always in our, in our thoughts. That's, that's kind of a different kind of prayer. What I'm talking about is that that alone time with God. Where we get alone, and it's just you and it's just Him. If you're, if you're married or you, know, you want to pray with your husband or your wife, that's great, but that's not this kind of prayer. This is just you before God. If you're a mom and a dad or a grandma and grandpa, after that, then teach your grandkids how to do it. But this isn't the grandkids' prayer. This isn't the kids' prayer. This is your time alone with God. This is just you. He talks about a physical closet, but it doesn't have to be a physical closet. It can be anywhere that you can get away for a few minutes. It could be your bedroom. It could be the bathroom. Wherever you can get to where you're not bothered. It may be sitting in your car under a tree at the lake because nobody's bothering you. And you just sit there for 15 minutes. That might be your closet. If there's too much stuff going on at your house, (coughs) that might be your closet. But take that time. Take that time. But find your closet. Wherever it is, whatever that closet looks like for you, find it and use it. You know, a closet can, you know, a closet can be outside, but a lot of times even outside with just nature can sometimes be distracting. Just being out, you know, people are like, well, I do my my prayer time out there by the lake when I'm fishing. Well, if you're fishing while you're praying, that's not your quiet time, because you're you're divided, because you're praying and then you get a hit on your line. What are you doing? You letting that fish go? No, you're distracted. So, you know, be careful what what you call your closet. Your closet needs to be without distraction, not just without people, but without distraction as well. <clears throat> Understand our relationship with God. It helps me to pray when I understand my relationship with God. You know, the the world paints God as this this old guy sitting on a cloud waiting for us to mess up. So what did he do? He throws down lightning bolts, right? Somebody will say something that we think might be a little blasphemous and we all move away because we don't want to get struck down by the lightning. But that's not the God of the Bible. That's a man-made God. The God of the Bible, when he's talking about us, when he's talking about believers he refers to himself as a father. And not just a a formal father, but Abba father. Our closest translation to Abba today would be daddy. There's a difference between father and daddy. There's that personal connection. Some of you are old enough to remember. I do not because I'm not old enough to remember, but I've seen pictures of when Kennedy was in office. And people, everybody wanted to see Kennedy. Everybody would line up to see Kennedy. People would line up in the halls to see Kennedy. But then his son, the little kid, would just bypass the line and walk into the Oval Office and climb up on the president's lap. I think him and Marilyn Monroe were the only two allowed to do that. And and he he would come in because he had that relationship. He had that relationship. Why? Because that's not the president. Right? Who is that? That's daddy. And he would go in there to see daddy. Understand when we come before God, it's that same relationship. It's daddy. It's dad. We don't need an appointment on his schedule. We need to put it on ours so we don't forget daddy sometimes. But we just need to go because he's eagerly waiting to talk to us. It's that personal relationship with God. Christ says that a man who is genuine in his prayers, he prays to be heard by God and not by men. The place he chooses for prayer is his private closet, that place where we we get alone. We get alone so we're unobserved. We're out of everyone's sight. We get alone so that we're undisturbed. There's no interruptions. There's no distractions. We get alone so that We're unheard. Nobody hears what we're praying. We can concentrate and meditate to allow God the freedom to work in our hearts as he wishes. Over and over in the scripture, this is repeated. In Acts chapter 10, verse 9, it says, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. You know why he went on the housetop? It's the only place he could find to be alone. He went up on the housetop. Acts 10:30. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, I, I was fasting until this hour. In the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. He's praying in his house. Why? It's the only place he could be alone." Mark chapter one, verse thirty-five. In the morning, rising up a, a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. This is Christ. Over and over again, we see where Christ prayed. Yet we have very few prayers of Christ in the Bible. There are very few times, I think it's uh, six or seven times, that he actually prayed, and we see the words that he prayed. One of those is the model prayer that we're going to be looking at in a couple weeks. But we see very, very few times where he actually prayed, but we see several times where it says he went away and prayed. You know why they're not recording? Because it's not for us. That was a conversation between him and his father. That was that conversation. We see that over and over again in the Word of God. Matthew 6, 46 and 47. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain and prayed. Talk about a closet. Go climb a mountain to pray. Make sure that nobody can hear you and nobody will be around. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. Luke 6, 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Luke 22, 41 and 42, he says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. This is the prayer that he prayed shortly before going to the cross. This one we have the privilege of being able to see and study. But even then, you notice what he did? He left his disciples off to the side. They're supposed to be praying too, by the way. It's a whole other story. But he went a stone's throw away. He went just far enough where they couldn't hear him. And he prayed. The reason why believers pray in a closet is because God is in secret. Remember back in verse 4 of chapter 6, thy, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Verse 6 that we just read, it says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. He's in secret. He sees in secret. He's not interested in the show. He's not interested in the pageantry. He's interested in the substance. Show is for men. Substance is for God. Come to him with a clean heart. Don't worry about the words that you say, how how you know glamorous the words are. Just come to your father and talk. Just come and speak to your daddy. Many people pray on the run, but very few people pray in secret. Praying on the run is the prayers that we do. You know, in church we do those. Um, you know, when we're leaving out of our park, our driveway, sometimes in the morning we we pray on the run. Or, or right before we eat a meal, we'll pray on the run. We, we do a lot of that kind of prayer as Christians, and, and those aren't necessarily wrong, but what we're missing as Christians is we're missing the praying in secret. That's the piece that we're missing. And God sees with secret. And what God sees in secret, he rewards. Many people say they don't have the time to pray. That's just not true. Think about how much time we waste every day on our phones, watching TV, binging Netflix or something else? How much time do we waste? We have the time to pray. We just choose not to take it. The reward? The reward of a genuine prayer warrior is open blessings. He sees it in secret, but he rewards it in open. You ever seen somebody and you just can't put your finger on it, but it just seems like they're just so much holier than you? Chances are, they have a very active, secret prayer life. And God is rewarding them and open. He's letting people see it. They have the strength and the, and the presence of God upon their life. They have that power as they go through the world. It doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to them. It doesn't mean that they're Teflon and everything bounces off. It just means that they're better equipped to handle it. They're better equipped to, to step through it. Also, the believer's prayer, according to Matthew twenty-one, twenty-two, and John sixteen, twenty-four, and a number of other verses, the, the, the believer's prayers are answered. As a result, First John five, fourteen, and fifteen says, "And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him." He answers our prayers. Ever feel like your prayers aren't being answered? Maybe it's the why. Why are you praying? Why are you praying? Like I said, all this assumes, though, that we are disciples of Christ. All this assumes that we've been born again. If you're hearing you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this really doesn't apply to you. Because if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, He's not hearing any of your prayers except for that prayer of repentance. So if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, you're wasting your time praying to him for stuff. Atheists will say, well, I tried praying to God. God didn't hear you. God closes his ears to those prayers. He hears the prayers of his children. He will hear the repentant prayer of an atheist or of a lost person. Somebody that desires to be a child of Christ, he hears that prayer. But beyond that, you're just talking to the walls. Your prayers aren't getting any higher than the ceiling. But for those of us that have accepted Christ as our Savior, and I hope that's every single person in this room, when we pray, we are walking boldly into the throne room of grace. How powerful is that? Why wouldn't we do it more? You know, We talk on the phone, we we chat online, we send text messages, and they all go to people. They may be good people, they may be people that we love, people that we care about, but they're not people that can influence our eternity. They're people that are going to forget us when we're gone. God will never forget us. He'll always love us. Shouldn't we at least put the same amount of energy into talking to God? Taking that time to pray to Him in secret? If you're not, I pray that you'll you'll do that. You'll make a plan for this year. This year, you're not just going to pray more, that you're going to pray the right way. You're going to schedule it. It's going to be a time of secret prayer. It's going to be just between you and God. Pray and let him reward you openly. That you, you maybe your life can be an inspiration for somebody else to start praying. If you're here today, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that's your step one. That's your step one, to turn from your sins and turn to Jesus Christ. I can't emphasize that enough. Nothing else in this Bible makes sense. Nothing else in this Bible works until we get that piece right.